where we started with the whole point of sex and gender is that when I meet people, I'm always kind of looking for a bit of a radar about whether they may be autistic or not, or whether there's things about them that interest me. Now, that would also include somebody being gay or somebody being trans. A lot of people say that there's a higher percentage of people on the autistic spectrum or with an autistic identity that also have a non-binary identity. Is that something anybody has any information on? So there are there are different types of attraction. So if, using your example, Julian, you're somebody who's sexually attracted to men, but you couldn't imagine living with a man or being romantically attracted. So there's there's sexual attraction and there's romantic attraction. So you can have different identities for both. And some people are asexual, but have romantic attractions to other people. Some people are aromantic, so they don't have any romantic attachment to other people or attraction to other people, but they have sexual attraction to other people. I would describe myself as, well, it can change as I find like new words and new new identities sort of become discussed, but I describe myself as omnisexual. So I'm, I'm not pansexual because I'm not attracted to the really macho, laddish, bodybuilding culture type of gen male gender expression. But I would describe myself as heteroromantic because I'm not generally romantically attracted to women, despite being sexually attracted to women. So there, I, there, are, there, are, there are two different aspects with sexual and romantic attraction. The thing is, for a lot of people, they are the same. They have the same leaning. So they might be homosexual and homoromantic. Yeah, got you. So they don't really, not everybody thinks about it in terms of there being two different things, but I think there's... There are, there are two different types of attraction. And then there's platonic attraction. I'm just about to start reading the symposium by Plato, so I'm kind of yeah, <laughs> in the zone. Oh, don't show off about your intelligence. <laughs> it's my dad's book. <laughs> and I haven't started it yet, and the introduction is quite dense anyway. But, uh, yeah, just trying to... F just looking for these statistics. Hetero-romantic appeals to me as a descriptor of um, more interested in caring about people than crude physical things. But uh, that's just as a level of description rather than rather than instead of heterosexual, I certainly would count as both. Yeah, so for me, I think the more I get to grips with my neurodivergence I think also it makes me explore other parts of me as well so up until probably a few years ago I would have said I was mainly heterosexual whereas now I don't I don't know what I call myself other than queer um, and I guess I've less attracted to men than I used to be but that for me it's more about values and stuff like I've found over the last few years that people who tend to share the same values and outlook on life and things that are important to them as me tend to be women or non-binary people less so than men I guess so yeah that's where I'm at that sounds also as though a lot about 
people who are looking into their neurodiversity and trying to figure that out, they seem to also be at that time in a zone of inquiry generally about their own identity, I suppose. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I think when you're, you're sort of generally, especially sort of if, if post-diagnosis, self-diagnosis or formal diagnosis, there is a period of re-evaluation and a sort of a time where you're working out who you are. So I think it's quite normal that we might question everything then. I think generally neurodivergent people tend to be less aligned with mainstream values on many things and the mainstream approach. So I think that also means we're a bit more open to, I don't want to say alternative lifestyles because it sounds like I'm speaking from the 1980s, but alternative lifestyles. I have found the, the statistics. So this is from a survey done in 2022 by Chris Bonello. He works under the handle of Autistic Not Weird. One of the questions was, if you're comfortable with indicating your sexuality, please choose from the below. And the options were heterosexual, gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, asexual, prefer not to say, other, and no answer. Of the autistic respondents, 34.9% said heterosexual. So there is a majority for anything other than heterosexual, which I think is quite interesting. 12.3% of people identified as asexual. I think there's maybe a higher prevalence of people identifying as asexual who are autistic as well, either for sensory issues. You know, they don't like being touched and touching other people. So a sexual attraction is not something that sort of fits with their their way of being. 18%, 18 18.8% bisexual, 11.1% pansexual. So there's, yeah, there's quite a big proportion of people who aren't fussy. Uh, (laughs) I'm, yeah, making light of that. That's the old joke about bisexuals, isn't it? That we're not fussy. Yeah, those are the the stats on sexuality. Do you think they're robust statistics? I mean, obviously it always comes into my mind about the way people collect data. I would recommend you reading the entire survey and the results. This is the second time he's done the survey. Um, There were, I think there was nearly 8,000 autistic respondents, over 11,000 respondents globally, and over 7,000 of those were autistic people. The, The discussion, if you, I can email you the link, but you can find it if you, Google ANW survey, it'll be like the second link. There is a lot of discussion in there, which I'm not going to sit here and read out because that would be, well, dull for a start. But it's, yeah. In the whole thing rather than, but what we're getting from that is very robust. Yeah, we get a sense that if, even though it may be a a bit of a slight bias from a self-selected group that are actually wanting to answer that question because, you know, if you are of a different sexuality to the norm, you are of a different neurotype to the norm, you want these things to be recognised. So maybe there's a bit of a bias from the idea that more people from the, from non-binary situations are going to actually look to answer those questions. They still seem very high figures. So I think we can take from it that there is some kind of correlation, yeah. It's, it's been it's, it's been 
around longer than that that there's some kind of correlation, but but that's, as you say, is a, I think a, a lot higher figure than it's been posited as before. I think for four, four or five times as many trans as in the ordinary population, people remember back several years. As, but yet the, the idea of it would be being more individualistic, both their own type of being, independence of mind, being more likely to follow a, an orientation, a minority orientation than to deny it. I know when it's about any sort of minority thing. I think that's been the theory. Yeah, it really interests me that, you know, so much of gender identity and sexual identity is society-driven and is dictated by so-called societal norms or societal expectations that is it because it's some of of the correlation because autistic people are just more authentically them and less driven by that kind of societal dictation the peer pressure the the group i think when i was young even the idea of homosexuality was a very outside my sphere the naked civil servant was one of the first explorations of homosexuality that watching it as a child made some kind of impression on me but the rest of it in pop okay. culture there were the kind of gay comedy characters and the world has changed very differently during so i i wouldn't in my 20s have even really considered myself as bisexual but it's only because during time there's been more opportunity to think in different ways that I can align myself to something different. No, I think the language was developed a lot around sexual romantic attractions and around gender identities. There's been a huge, like in the last four or five years especially, been a huge increase in the vocabulary that we have around it and the definitions. And I think that has that has allowed some people to put a name to something that they felt. And it's also allowed other people a framework within which to think about their own identity and their own feelings and their own attractions. So, and I'm not saying that those things didn't exist before we had the language, but without the language to talk about it, it you, you, well, you can't have a conversation about it. And in a less free society, you may not have had any conversation about it, even with the limited language that people may have had, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, Meet strangers, and I'm wondering whether they're autistic or whether they have a difference in them. It, it does seem to be something I always wonder about other people. Uh, the young fellas, they do often come across to me in a very non-macho male way. They come across to me in a in a way that doesn't align to some of the stereotypes that we see in in all culture whether it be football culture or the shoot 'em up films but i'm not sure whether that's actually defining their sexuality it, it, they just seem like a, a gentler type of person and i don't go into gender with them was definitely not define their sexuality because the, the uh, you, you can you can have a a gay big bulky rugby player like Gareth Thomas and you have straight guys with soft characters 
like hopefully me, though I know people hear me being angry and at times of unfairness at what they think then, but hopefully based on it all other times. I don't ever, I don't ever be angry and sound anyway, not, not never physically, which is not correlated to who's right and wrong. As a strong intellectual take on it there. But the, the, the guy who is personal, more, more nicer personal choices without that meaning what's the like it's to mean there's has always been a corner to fight against bullying as well and then been part of the male oppression system is that if you break it you must be gay i think society perhaps not all areas of society but certainly you know what you were saying about younger demographics julian i think there is I think they tend to be much more tolerant of people who are not, you know, straight, white, cis, you know. They are more tolerant of people who are not conforming to any mainstream idea. In fact, I, I'd go as far as to say that some, you know, the younger age groups actually reject the idea of there being a mainstream at all, in a way, and are just generally very accepting of, of other people. There isn't so much... There isn't that bullying now. I'm not saying there isn't bullying, but I don't think it is about who you're attracted to. It's not about how you present and how you represent yourself and how you identify. I think that is sort of generally accepted and, and understood to be something that isn't fair to pick on people for anymore. I know when I was at school, and that was ah, not so long ago, I suppose, but, you know, going to school in the 90s, I went to an all-girls school. So, you know, lesbian was was an insult. And, you know, I look back now and I think that wasn't actually that long ago. And I, I, I could not imagine any of my friends' kids using that as an insult at all. I, I have one of my friends, she's got, there's, she's got two children. And one of them is... I was about to say one of them's at school. So they're both at school, <laughs> both school age. And one of them within their friendship group, there are people of all orientations and all gender identities, and they are very fluid about it. My friend can find it hard sometimes to understand what the terms and what the language means, because when they were growing up, they didn't have any of those terms. You know, that wasn't, you just didn't think about it. There was no language to talk about it, so you didn't talk about it. And if you did talk about it, it was sort of, you know, in hushed undertones and, you know, so we don't talk about that in polite society. So what I'm hearing from, you know, this one very limited example is that kids nowadays are just really open about who they are and they're not afraid to be who they feel at that time. And they're also not afraid to change it because my friend's child was, you know, is, is in a, a sort of romantic relationship with another person, and the other person, in fact, both of the the kids are, you know, have divergent identities when it comes to sexuality and gender. And my friend's like, but I don't know what that means, <laughs> because in in their experience, all of these words and terms are new. And then what happens if if those two kids break up and then you know 
child X goes, you know, starts going out with another person who has a different identity. And then what does that make child X? What does that mean about their identity? And we've had some interesting chats about it. And my, my friend is very, very, very accepting of all of it, but just finds it difficult to wrap their head around because it's not an experience they ever had at school. And I, so I, I just want to say that I was deliberately using completely gender neutral language there because like, this isn't, not that there's any you know, recrimination involved, but if I have inadvertently put any gender gendered language in there, please try and edit that bit out just because I'm talking about someone else's kids and I don't want that to be an issue. Uh, to be identified from that yeah i was just gonna say like i kind of i i totally agree with the what you're saying about you know younger people do just seem to be so much more open and just not even like need to ask the questions about what you identify as or what your label is it's just like it's just part of life and it's just accepted Um, but i definitely think with some of the older generation, yeah, there is that. Like, I know with my mum, she's constantly asking me, well, what is your label? And I'm like, well, I just, I don't know. It changes. <laughs> and she's like, I know, but if 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 someone asked me, what would I say? And they're like, mum, I don't think someone's going to stop you in Marquis and be like, so what's Lindsay's sexual orientation this week? But there's just that need. <laughs> <laughs> But it's that's that's what it's like. Like the need to have just in case someone asked the question. I mean <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just well, you're in Marky's getting here. <laughs> in it, no, I do I do mean Marks and Spencer's. Oh no, I <laughs> No, I meant Marky's. Yeah, but yeah, that needs to have a word and a label, which is why I tend to just use queer because it doesn't really mean anything and it means everything and it seems to be easier. Well, it's queer like the, it's queer the holding zone. Is that, the, is that like purgatory before you're heaven or hell? <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's kind of an umbrella term. I, I it's changed its meaning so many times through the years, but I think it's kind of currently an umbrella term for not straight and not cis. Yeah. So it, it can, it, if you don't know and you're still questioning and you don't have a label or you don't have a, a strong sense of, of gender or sexual identity in either way, you might use the term queer to denote that just that I'm not straight and I'm not cis. Yeah. Or not straight or not cis, either or. It's, yeah, it's a bit of an umbrella term at the moment it you know it used to mean gay yeah as it, it used to always be homosexual but now uh, it's kind of shifting a bit why shouldn't though someone who's not cis be able to perceive themselves as straight whether whether it's it's straight from the point of view of where they've transitioned to if they physically have or or from the the multiplicity of labels, but trying to define which side of the fence their outlook towards other people bodily comes down, they might still feel more accurately expressed calling it straight. 
Yeah, you could. Sexual identity and gender identity are not, they're not the same thing and they don't have to be linked. So, somebody who is, let's for example, someone who's a trans male um, and is attracted to women may identify as straight. Someone who's a trans male and is attracted to male presenting, you know, people of a, a male gender may identify as gay. So they're, yeah, they're, they're not linked to each other. And I think that, that gets people a bit confused sometimes. Yeah. But, but, but and, 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 and a non-binary or pan-gender, any of these number of words, or to be able to refer to themselves as straight if they find it's the more comfortable and more accurate description of their I mean, it's just a description of their outlook towards other people so if it works if the label works for them uh, that's an interesting point because i would describe myself as heteroromantic in terms of only really experience romantic attraction to males generally i mean that's not set in stone obviously but i don't identify as female however the heteroromantic label does carry with it a certain amount of expectation of how a partner reads me because i'm i'm read as female people see me as a woman apart from when i had short hair and i was working as a butcher i did did get assumed to be male quite a lot and that was fine i was i was fine with that but i i don't have any like internal sense of gender i wouldn't i call myself non-binary in terms of rejecting the binary but i'm not non-binary in the terms of some days I feel more yeah. feminine and some days I feel yeah. more masculine. I don't feel aligned with either of those things. I don't really feel aligned with the idea of there being that binary for me. I understand there is for other people, but not I don't I don't see myself yeah. as being a gendered person. That makes I know that makes very little sense. No, no, um, there would be personal whether the use of descriptors refer that it that bring in other people's unwanted perceptions is helpful or hurtful, which different folks may can only choose personally which they feel. Working up though to make my intervention concerning the problem with the word queer because the the, the folks from the past generations are still around that there's still folks to whom I also still think of it as another word for gay and that's actually on, on autistic not weird there's a post where there's a no no not actually that's an injustice to autistic not weird no it's autistic inclusive meets but uh, the, the, where there's Queer was still described as, as in opposition to straight because it was in opposition to straight and cis. Even if it was supposed about gender, this is still that slipping in thing of it means not straight. So that's the the expansion and takeover of the term's use for all this. But really, the entire spectrum of gender outside the original binary 
this, but I note that. Pritua forces the label queer onto all of those options for folks who would be very against taking on that label from the legacy of the previous era and the men gay and would have arguments with bullies to remember and continue to stand their ground in. If, if bullies in the past wanted to say that because you were breaking norms you were gay and what you're standing up for is that you're a, a straight person making just your own social preference choices to break norms because you should be at liberty to, then you're not going to want to start calling yourself queer for another meaning because other folks who weren't part of that argument with those bullies decided to go and change its meaning. The, the bullies must not win, so, so you, you stand by that you're not queer, and, and that's going to be a barrier to op options that might have been there for some people had that label not been applied to them. The word has a history, and it's a hurtful one. Well, the, the, I think the label... The, your identity of you know in, in these ways is a very personal thing. And I, I think if somebody does not identify with the label of queer, that shouldn't preclude them from any other identity that some people may consider under an umbrella term. You would be, I think, perfectly at liberty to you know identify however one wishes and reject the label of queer if other people are trying to apply that to you. But but if there's a whole terminology usage around you where every other gender than traditional cis is gender queer, how do you veto? How do you personally veto that label? You would say I don't identify as queer. I think that, you know it, it's it's up to up to the individual to make that statement. You know, I, people externally will label us however they see fit we don't have any control over that but we do have control over how we label ourselves how we identify ourselves if that's what we want to do and if you don't want to have the label of queer then I think that's a personal choice to reject it um, and in conversation you know if you were having a conversation with somebody and the topic came up and you said oh well I identify as you know, well whatever the identity is and they, they'd say oh so you're queer and you would say no I don't identify as queer and you could you could explain that if you wanted. I think there's something slightly slightly unique to the I'm gonna call it male perspective on this. If you're somebody in their forties and fifties who grew up in a world which was very restrictive in mm. people identified, some words are too difficult to let go of in in the sense that they have had and how they have been repeated and used as a a really nasty tool to hurt somebody. I, I 
it's a very, it's something about the difficulty of maleness in our society and how maleness is defined as a kind of aggression. Uh, and I, I know the the, re, the reclaiming is, of that word is was a, a sort of an act of, of power, of you know, of, and destigmatization. And I, I, I think people have, I think that that viewpoint has been forgotten in there, which is really unfortunate because it's supposed to be an inclusive term, but it is also exclusive. When when you come to people's past experience and you know personal experience of of those words, you know some people want to reclaim it and and take the take that back, but it's a very difficult term for others. Um, They're leaving some of us behind. They don't realise it. It's not their experience, and they didn't live in the nineteen seventies. My my comparator for this is the word black, because when I was growing up. Using the word black was synonymous with the N-word and the P-word. They were really nasty racial slurs. And now we have not only the N-word being used in a certain way of empowerment by rappers and groups of people, but also the word black has become the actual word to be used for a group of people. Yeah, I I think... I know with my parents, with whom it's a constant time of educating them, um, and they're constantly saying, oh, I'm not allowed to say that anymore, I'm a Lindsay. And I think what you're saying is, it is similar in that my dad would refer to a black person as a coloured person, and I'm, I would say, Dad, don't say that. And he kind of said, yeah, but for all of my, like, formative years I was I was you know it was drummed into me not to use black so it's really difficult to get that out of my head and I guess sometimes it's the same with the word queer I know my mum will not refer to me as queer because she just sees it as a negative term so yeah I think I think that's the thing with all language though isn't it it's like autistic and person with autism for such a long time the um person first language was kind of heralded as the way to go and now obviously we know from listening to autistic people that that's not the way to go but just there's just so much complexity around language and how language changes and how people change with that language. There's a whole group of autistic people who cling on to the idea of sorry clinging on sounded like they're doing something wrong who prefer to hold on to person with autism now even if maybe the majority has moved to autistic person yeah they gotta have their preference the, the problem with these language shifts has always been that the the in movement the the new shift goes to always think it has to be for everyone and, and that's they're the voice of everyone, how everyone should be, and we've we've at last found the the correct words. Instead, it's going to shift again in a few years, and then folks with another preference must be psychologically wrong instead of you know, just have fair life issues to have another preference from. So when I, when I'm delivering neurodiversity training and I. I talk about the language that people should use 
and I go into briefly or not so briefly, depending on how much time I'm trying to fill. Um, I go into the you know person living with so person first language and identity first language, and so I you know so generally anybody with any any condition, medical, whatever, whatever it's person with. So we say person living with asthma, you don't call them asthmatic, and then I say that the general difference is autistic people because the you know the current guidance as it were you know the preference of the majority of the community and indeed guidance from the national autistic society is that we use we just use the term autistic we don't we don't even use terms like on the spectrum because on the spectrum is a bit euphemistic like how maybe 30 40 years ago you might say oh well he bats for the other team you know where it was you can't say gay you know that's a dirty word but i always wrap that section up by pointing out that it, it is up to the individual how they refer to themselves so if you're talking generally about a group of people with dyslexia or autistic people you use you know those those terms as best of my knowledge that is the consensus at the moment but the individual people will identify however they want there is a whole generation of people who were diagnosed with Asperger's who finds part of their identity in the term Aspie. And it is not fair to take someone's identity away and, and, and erase that part and erase that word for them just because of Asperger's association with Nazis and the issues contained therein. It, it has to be individual. But then when you're talking about groups of people what language do you use? Because there's, there is, you, you can't. It's not possible to accommodate everyone's preferences when you're speaking broadly and generally about groups of people. Which is exactly why there should be less of a sense of banning language and of jumping on people. I think we all probably agree that, and it's about being kind to each other and having some kind of flexibility, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I I know an autistic person who uses the terminology people with autism, sometimes interchangeably with autistic people, but quite generally prefers people with autism. And hearing that can be difficult for me because when I hear that phrase elsewhere, it's generally used by non-autistic people. And it's often used in a slightly derogatory or, or not entirely positive light. But that person is autistic themselves. And if that's how they identify and how they feel that they like to talk about us as, as, as a group, then I'm, I'm going to respect that. You know, I've, I've not said to this person, oh, actually, I think you'll find the correct term is autistic people. You know, my, no, I mean, my discomfort around that is my issue. It's nobody else's. I'm not going to force somebody to use different language when that's the language that they may identify with just for the sake of that I don't like hearing that phrase. I know that when this person says it, they're not doing it in any, there's no There's no negative association. It's not done in a derogatory way at all. But I think that is, that's part of the key with any, any language discussion is that the, the language has to come from the community uh, or, or, and be approved by the community. Because we have, have we all got our little rubber stamps that we get to... <laughs> to yay or nay language but it has yeah it has to i think it needs to come from within the community that are, are affected by that use of that language and yeah we and we shouldn't 
I, I will I will jump on non-autistic people who I think might need a little explainer with the language. I'm not going to jump on any autistic person for using people with autism because if that's how they identify, then that's, that's frankly none of my business, really. It's not for me to get involved in. You don't take it upon yourself to police somebody else's language. Yeah, I, I have the same with... Um, like uh, Quite a few of my friends are non-binary and use they-them pronouns. And like I will be the first to jump on anyone if they use the wrong pronouns not like i won't do it in a like an actual jumping on them i'll just say oh remember they use they them pronouns or whatever but occasionally um one of my friends who has only quite recently started using those pronouns will misgender themselves and i would never ever think of saying to them actually you should be using they them pronouns for yourself so yeah it's similar like the individual can can use whatever they want but then when you're with that kind of wider group it's maybe a yeah a different thing is it about the way we do it is it sometimes if we are going to change society we do have to kind of help each other by reminding people that those words aren't great anymore and if we do it in a a way that's oh i'm uncomfortable or oh that did you know did you notice you used that word or some gentle way it it's a real different feeling for the person than a judgmental no you can't use that you know yes and it's, it's not an instant rejection of the person is still bringing them along with you stunt and coping getting along with the person yeah. And you're not experiencing that online. There's there's people that actually, you know, have a go about these things. They make it their thing. I think as well, though, there, there are also people who deliberately will use the wrong language. Maybe not so much autistic person with autism, but certainly around, like, pronouns and um, gender identity. There is a, a group of people who will deliberately misgender people or deliberately use the wrong pronouns because of their own beliefs or their own ideologies. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's a difference between someone slipping up or just forgetting or just not being used to saying they instead of she or him. There's a difference between that and knowing full well that this person doesn't identify, say, as a female but continuing to refer to them as she hard or continuing to refer to them as a female. I think there's two different things. And I think when people get get it wrong, I'd, I get it wrong sometimes. I still misgender my friend sometimes. But there's, I think that's when you do need to be kind and, and you know, oh, remember or, oh, you maybe don't know they use these pronouns or whatever. I think there's a difference between that side of things and the other side when it's a deliberate act to misgender someone yeah for sure i think there's, there's a, one of the the kind of <laughs> scapegoaty arguments that people use against uh, oh well i can't be expected to remember pronouns and you know who's who's going by what nowadays the same people tend not to have any issue with calling somebody mrs surname of the husband if they get married in a you know in a heterosexual heteroromantic relationship 
you know that is that's that's okay by society that person can change their name because they're now like entitled the property of their husband so they'll have no problem calling them mrs smith when previously they might have been miss jones for example yeah, and we're talking about the behaviour of bigots, though, aren't we? We're talking about people intentionally provocative and Clarkson-esque in the way that they go around things. And yeah, they do need they do need calling out. And but but they they always say, oh, but it's so it's so hard to remember. I can't be expected to suddenly make that switch. But you have <laughs> they have no problem doing it when someone gets married. So when someone changes their name, yeah, yeah, or if it's a dog. Like, have have you ever seen how someone reacts if they say, oh, what a good boy, and you say, oh, my dog's a girl, and they go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry for misgendering your dog that doesn't understand that I've just misgendered it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but when it comes to another human, sorry, going to have to put my foot down there. We can't be allowing this. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna have to, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we all have our way controlling ways and you know, passive aggressive stuff like that is is just part of life, isn't it? I have a little bit of a story to finish on, I think. I ha I used to run a volunteer project at my burnt down house where people would come from all over the world and the sort of people that were travelling and did a bit of work for bed and board and while they were travelling were a very very specific group of people. They were usually people who had a reason to be questioning themselves. I had one email from a young person and they explained that they were born as one gender, but now they were finding the other gender. And they wanted to not use the name on their passport, but use this other name. Should they, when they came, because when we have a mixed dormitory for the volunteers, when they came, should they, I mean, they asked me, the reconstructed male perhaps of the, whether when they came, they should tell people and talk to people about their gender changing or whatever, process you want to think about it as the experimentation with their real identity and it didn't take me very long to answer them i answered them very simply and i said it's nothing to do with me you're in a you're going to be in a mixed dorm for a couple of weeks and you're going to be working alongside a whole different group of people from different cultures it's your choice. If you want to make this a time where you don't tell people that there's an ambiguity and you just live as one, that's fine by me and tell me your decision so I can try and stick to it. And when the person came, that's what they did. They lived as this, the gender that they would prefer to be thought of as and that was part of their... And only once during the time did I accidentally say the wrong pronoun and nobody noticed i w it was i was the only person speaking and i was giving an instruction to the whole group and they were all listening very attentively and nobody noticed i used the wrong pronoun and when 
this volunteer had, had left and in fact they they worked with me on my own on the last day and we never spoke again about the gender thing i met up with one of the guys who had been on the thing he was my kind of supervisory fella jan from czech republican i said did you ever have any conversations with this person about anything to do with gender and he said no I said, oh, well, they originally had this name, and uh, but when they came and they were living with you and working with you all of that time, they had this. And he hadn't noticed in any way, shape or form that I had misgendered that person in that conversation. So it's almost as though if all the other framework is right, then these slight accidents don't matter. Gender identity sexual alignments and ever-changing words and concepts. Hopefully, somebody said something that included part of you. The attempt to be kind is important in itself. None of us managed to say everything we needed to say, but that's okay. In the Explain Me Autism series, we will explore further. Within the Autistic Radio Project, we will take the time to return to all the subjects. Love to you all. Jules, autisticradio.com.